0: Those who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out now more than ever. This podcast is dedicated to sharing their stories and the journeys of people who've transformed their lives from surviving into thriving. Join me and my guests as we dive into what healing from trauma really looks like. Hear heartwarming and awe-inspiring stories of overcoming the odds. Welcome to the Flow Rising Podcast. This show contains adult topics and often triggering stories audience discretion is advised. Before we get started, please make sure you subscribe to the channel, then like and share your favorite videos. Thanks for the support. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. I am your host, Megan, and today I am joined by someone across the pond. I always love it when I get my international guests to join me. Uh, Today, Suzanne is joining me on the show. So welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me.
0: So as always, we always start the show with where you are today. Um, while we'll dive into the healing and we'll dive into the journeys and all of that, share with the audience a little bit about where you are today, the kinds of stuff that you work on, the kinds of work that you do, and, you know, what life is like
1: right now. Okay. Um, well, well, where am I today? That's a great question. Where am I today? Um, I am working internationally as both a consultant, project manager, and a high-performance coach. And I coach people who are like you and I, who have um, been abused in terms of their confidence. Um, and I help them actually unlock the inner confidence that they they need rather than finding it from external factors. Um, I've been married for 10 years to my lovely husband. Um, and, and the reason I'm kind of laughing as I'm saying all of this is this is not where I thought I would ever end up. I never thought I would get married again. I never thought I would have an international career. I never thought I'd be self-employed and picking and choosing what I could do. Um and um I, love you I told all. you this too high. And um yeah, what what a transformation really. Um, but I'm also kind of not the person you would have th- thought would have been the victim of the abuse that I have been. Um so I I recognize that actually it's much more prevalent than we'd like to recognize, than we'd like to acknowledge. Um, And, you know, having always been quite feisty and um, spicy and and kind of all of those really good acronyms of self-assured, I was kind of really on rock bottom um, about 15 years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is interesting how once we move away from the situations, a lot of us, I know I did, I was like, never again. And, uh, I've been out of my, with my ex, uh, it's been five, a little over five years now. And I just got married this past year. And so it's Congratulations. just you must got married. Thank you. And, but yeah, you don't think you're like, I never thought I'd be there or that I could find healthy relationships, especially after, you know, the types of, of abuse that, you know, when, when you're in it and like you said, you, you look back on that and go, oh, how did I get into that? Or my, my husband and I were talking just this morning, like, don't you wish that you could just go back and like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't have my son and I wouldn't be here. And it's part of that path. Um, yeah. Even though it's I wouldn't
1: like, be nope, I wouldn't be the nope. person I am having not gone through it. And, and like one of the things that's made me is really appreci- appreciative of, of a good, healthy relationship. So, um, you know, that's not to say we've already down a rabbit hole here, Megan. Uh that's not to say that um that that hasn't been like for for probably the first five years of my marriage, so sort of seven years of, of being with my husband, you know, if he said the wrong thing, I would flare up with uh that's nothing to do with you. You know, and, and it was instant things like, You're going out, do you want me to pick you up? Well, that was one of the control things that I'd experienced was as soon as I went out, I was getting picked up ten minutes later. And uh, so I'd be like very much, no, no, you're not picking me up. Why are you, why do you want to pick me up? Mm-hmm. Whereas all he was doing was genuinely saying, do you want to lift home? Let me know when.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I said this yesterday, I was sharing, I was just on a podcast yesterday, but I said the hardest, like you think that going through the abusive relationship is hard. And for people who haven't experienced it, although the audience here has in a lot of ways. You think that's the hard part. Oh, no, no, no. Getting in your healthy relationship after the abusive relationships is so, I do the same thing. I mean, you're, it, and we talk a lot that there's all veins of abuse. Mine was much more physically violent. And my current husband is a big man. You know, he's he's very tall. He's a big man. He is as large as I thought my ex was in my mind's eye. Like, right. And I've never once until this past week started flinching. Like, And he was just reaching to hug me. And I flinched and he's like, baby, what's going on? But I'm going through a healing cycle where I'm actually working through some stuff from my marriage and having Mm. been having some nightmares and some dreams. And he knows about all of that, but he's like, okay. And so he moves slower or like you said, just offers, you know, so instead of just coming in to hug me now, he's like, I'm going to hug you. And then he moves like, it's just those little things, but the ways that, and I've heard other people be like, it was years it was years before i felt settled and eased and it's not perfect and it's and i think that that's that part of that healing piece
1: yeah very inside much so. of a
0: relationship um and so i know that you like with your clients and stuff that you do a lot of work you know on that self confidence piece but share with us from your perspective what it was like i always talk about those aha's or the beginnings when you realize that that was where like you were just like i have i have no idea i i'm not worthy i when did that like kind of start shifting for you or your ah ahas around that
1: um so um i to tell you a really sad tale actually um my my dad was diagnosed with kidney cancer and at the time my sister was terminally ill with a brain tumor and we were concerned that my dad had liver cancer because kind of like liver cancer is much more serious than, than kidney cancer. So the the relief that I got. So I was driving down to Bristol, another city in the UK. So I had about a two hour drive to work when I got the call saying my dad had uh, kidney cancer. And it was a relief to hear that. And I know that sounds weird, but it was a relief. Um, and the story I got told was um, he was going to be in hospital for a week and have a kidney removed um, and then he would be off the road for about eight weeks he wouldn't be able to drive and he was being treated in Sunland Hospital and my sister at the time was being treated in Newcastle Hospital which in your scheme of the world isn't like a big distance apart but in ours is massive because those two cities are about 14 sorry that's not the dog that was in here that's the other dog um about going. 14 about 14 miles apart mm, and that okay. gave my mum a logistics nightmare right that gave my mum kind of like who do I go and visit on visiting hours yeah. Yeah. um so um I got off the phone to my mum who gave me this news and I rang my husband and I said look exactly what she said to you my dad's going to be treated in Southern Elaine's being treated in Newcastle I'm going to take that week off um to help my mum so that somebody was always visiting one of them right That. Um, And then I said, because I'm nice and considerate, I said, don't you don't you use your annual leave and take the time off? I'll just take it. Now, I had an extra week to him. um, And his response to that was, well, what am I meant to do? Have my holidays on my own. And I remember thinking. You and I are not in the same place. And then um, that wasn't the start of the mantra. The mantra had already started. But I also had going around my head, and we talked about this before, mm-hmm. I'm going to blink, I'm going to be 60, I'm going to wonder why I didn't leave. I'm going to blink, I'm going to be 60, I'm going to wonder why I didn't leave. That was constant. Like, it, I can't explain how constant that was in my head. And um, so then he, he came out with this, with this oh, well, what am I meant to do? Have my holidays of my own. And, and that was the sentence that killed my marriage. Wow. Um, and then from there, Um, I went to the hairdressers that Saturday and uh, I was talking to my hairdresser who um, was listening to me and she says well what would you do if you came into town with me and someone was chatting you up I said well first of all I'd never go into town with you because like that wouldn't be tolerated and you know if someone chatted me up well it's irrelevant I'm married and she said you you don't describe a marriage Suzanne you describe an abusive relationship and I was like oh and then the conversation went on and then she said she lived in a house with like flats in the house and she said there's a flat available in my house you know Mm. and then she said the third thing which was why don't you get divorced (laughs) Uh, I hadn't I hadn't even considered that that was an option that like that had not genuinely had not occurred to me. But I had this mantra going around my head. I'm gonna blink, I'm gonna be sixty, I'm gonna wonder why I didn't leave. And um I went to church and I prayed on it and I said, you know, if this is my lot, give me strength. But if it's not my lot, I need to know. And um the next day I woke up and I knew I was leaving. Yeah. And it was clear. From that point forward it was clear. Yes. um but but by that point um i was like just so not not who you're now seeing i was yeah. um he he'd met me in town and you know he liked me because was the life and soul of the party because i was popular and i was friendly and 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 that was every every trait he tried to get rid of through all this constant kind of like nobody likes you you're really rubbish Uh, he worked me into the ground I had my own my own career and he had a job and then if his staff didn't turn up he'd ring me and say you need to come and help me and I was working like 18 hours a day and I was absolutely shattered and then after I left um I remember thinking I don't know how I'm going to cope financially um what am I going to do because we've always been skint and um I worked out my budget and then I worked out again and then I worked out a third time and then I called somebody in who worked for me and said, I need you to go through this. He says, what's wrong with it? I says, it doesn't balance. What do you mean it doesn't balance? I went, well, how can, how can I have lost a thousand pound a month income but be better off seven hundred pound a month? And I worked <laughs> out that for every pound he put in, he took one out. Wow. Um, and it was at the time at the time of the crisis in 2008 when the banks went kind uh-huh. of belly yeah. up um, and the house went into negative equity and I had uh, £29,000 worth of debt and a house in negative equity and then he, he was threatening me going you're going to sell the house and I was like for what reason? There's no money in it? We're, we're each going to have to find £5,000 if I sell the house yeah. but I'd had a house before I met him and I'd tried to protect it legally um which didn't have a lot of standing but helped um and so um prior to all of this about 18 months prior to me leaving I have a friend who's a social worker and I uh, I can remember being on the passenger side of her car and having a cup of coffee on the on like as I opened the door having a cup of coffee on the on the roof of the car and her saying to me you do know you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, don't you? And me saying, yes, but I'm not ready to talk about it. Picking the coffee cup up, getting in the car, and that being the end of the conversation. Yeah. But People when I left, know. I went... No. Yeah. No, but when I left, I went and knocked on her door. Oh, sure. And I hadn't seen her for 18 months. Yeah. because he Because I was isolated from everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I recently had coffee with a, a friend who I've known since before I left him. And I met her literally happenstance. I was mm-hmm. doing some business networking and she had a coffee meetup at one of the coffee shops. And I went and I, to this date, she was even asking me this just a few weeks ago. She goes, why did you tell me? And I said, I have no idea. The universe just told me you were a safe human being. And I could say it all out for the first time in my life. I'm in an abusive relationship. And she was like, whatever you need. Like she would say, do you need to shop from my pantry? Do you need to sleep on the floor? The dog's welcome. You kids are welcome. We can, whatever, whatever you need, honey. Uh, but yeah. And then I didn't talk to her for a long time until after I'd left him. Same kind of thing. I was like, hey, guess what? I left. And it's just interesting how you, those, those moments where you're like, but it, you know, until you're ready. And I always tell people that when the just think, let people know yeah. you're there but when you until you're ready you don't do it
1: but I think as well like um when I left i had been isolated from all these friends that I had yeah. um and whenever I needed a friend <gasps> one was sent your turn, <laughs> turn. Um turn when when I needed a friend one was sent yeah like it was it was the most bizarre thing and um I, I remember like someone who had told me right at the beginning of my relationship with him that she didn't like the way he treated me, and I introduced her to her husband. Didn't wasn't friends with them by the time they got married, um, and um, she just turned up one day out there like she was on Facebook and she just messaged me on Facebook. And it, it'd been her dad had said, "Aren't you in touch with that Geordie friend of yours anymore?" And she'd reached out to me, and then I said, "Oh, you know, I've I've left him." And she was like, right, put the kettle on. I'm on my way. What's your address? And 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 it was like I hadn't I hadn't seen her for like seven years. At that point, it, it was like I've never been away. And when I needed a friend, they were sent. Now the irony of this particular friend is, she then decided she would vet every boyfriend I had going forward. So I'd have a couple of dates with them and then go, right, we need to go and have a cup of tea and some sandwiches with my friends um and, and I said to her I'll trust your judgment
0: yeah so she g- she gave learned. my
1: husband yeah she gave she gave my husband the seal of approval but yeah I'm rem- but but it was I can't, I, like I can't express how unlike the person you're seeing right now I was but this is mm-hmm. me and um and I did have counselling and one of the best yeah. things the counsellor said to me was when you meet someone and they have traits of your first husband that doesn't mean they're like them
0: uh, that's good advice
1: and 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 to be fair like there was alarm bells going off because of some of the care that my current husband has offered me and and I've had to repeat that whole thing to me myself a few times the other thing she said was um I went to see the counselor after a, a subsequent relationship that broke down because you know I, I was thinking about this in preparation to talking to you And uh, I kind of think I put myself into um, a relationship where he was emotionally unavailable after my first husband because he was a a widower, um, widowed very young, and he wasn't ready. Um, And after that, I was kind of heartbroken. And that that was the point where the same friend said to me, "Um, I think you need to go and have some counselling. And she'd been divorced and she'd had counselling. And... um, And the counsellor said these two things to me. One was if you if you meet someone they've got traits, doesn't mean they're the same you're gonna have the same experience. And the other thing they said, which was really prophetic actually, was emotions are like Pandora's box. You can't have one emotion. You either have them all or you have none. And in this time of healing, you know, the whole survival time where you get out of the relationship and all you're doing is functional things to survive and you're keeping a lid on all these emotions, they're still there. And if you want to, if you want to love again, you need to be prepared to feel everything.
0: It's true. Like you can't actually heal. My puppy's going. It's okay. You can't actually heal until you let that love in. Uh, It's interesting. You were talking about Pandora's box. Oh man. Just recently, like I've shared with you, um, I'm going through some things with, you know, peeling back the next layer. Cause that's, yep. that's how it is in the healing that I peeled back the next layer. Um, cause when I started my healing journey, I thought it was from a marriage. And then I realized I actually had to start back in childhood. Yes. And I had been doing a lot of that stuff, but then this stuff about, um, so my personal experience with abuse was very physical. Well, I had the, definitely had the narcissistic, definitely had the emotional, but you said isolation was huge. You know, a lot of that where it was like or the picking up. We only ever had one car. We we could have afforded two cars, but he didn't want it. It was just easier for him to just always take me where I because he always wanted to know where I was.
1: And didn't everybody just, think he was really chivalrous as a result?
0: Um, all of all of his friends, yeah, because that's you yeah. know, I wasn't really allowed to have friends. If I had a friend it was you know, but everybody, yes, was like Oh, that's really, you know, he just takes care of you and he takes you, my coworkers. Oh, he comes and picks you up. That's so sweet. And I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't have a job. Yeah. Like, I'm the one that's working and doing all the work. And, but how I, I took all of that, all the things that he said and all of the, the stuff that happened and, and shut that box and shut it yeah. all off. And now really I started to allow love and to allow healing. And, and it's like the lids cracked. And I know it and I just feel it. And I told my husband just a few days ago, I was like, I think I'm going to start going through some things that are going to be really, really challenging. I said, I feel like it's time. Like my, 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 my body's always remembered it. Like I've always gone through the physical stuff, but now my brain's like, I'm ready to remember. I'm ready to recall and release and move forward. And I'm just like,
1: that's also uh, because you're in a safe space right now. Right. So it's, yes. it's kind of a, a real testament to where you are with your husband is if you feel yeah. safe, then you're going to say more. You're going to feel more. There's still things I say now to so my husband. We've been married 10 years. There's things I say now that he's never heard before upon oh, my first marriage. Wow. Um, And it's not like it, it's um, it's not like they're damaging me. It's just like it's never it's never come up to the surface before. Yep. And I'll say the odd thing. But when you say about being picked up, um my ex-husband and I had a joint bank account. Mm-hmm. And I used to work in a rail uh, manufacturer. So there was a half a mile between the shop and the reception. And I'd get a phone call saying, Suzanne, there's something for you in reception. And walk down and there'd be a dozen red roses. So hmm. I'd walk back up the side where everyone would see me carrying these dozen red roses. Isn't your husband wonderful? Isn't he lovely? And all I could think of was, I got paid today. So who'd bought me the roses? I bought me me the roses.
0: I bought myself the roses, yeah.
1: And I remember thinking, he's got everybody fooled here. But like you said, my healing went back to childhood too. With narcissistic parenting, bullying at school. Um, and, and of course once your confidence is damaged like that by people who lo- you love and should love you and should demonstrate love to you you become easy pickings for other people who will abuse your confidence yeah. Um. and this is this is where so prior to our pre-conversation a few months ago I was kind of all about high performance coaching and actually our conversation made me think I want to work with people on their confidence. Oh, yeah. I want to work with people to to break this whole whole like triangle of confidence abuse. Yeah. So yeah, so I've changed I've changed my offering in relation to because that. of our conversation.
0: Oh, that's uh, I love that because I think that's and that's part of why I, I yesterday when I was on that podcast, the lady asked me. She goes, is what you're doing now part of your purpose?" And I'm like, very much yeah. so. I'm like, in all kinds of, i learn so much from my own guests and I just get to share things that I'm like, sometimes I'll say stuff on a podcast. And I'm like, I never said that before. Mm. Like, it's just, it, but it just, it's like, I'm in, again, in a, you talked about that safe space. <laughs> one of the things my husband said from almost day one, like literally, I think it was our second date. He has just told me, you just need permission. You just need safety you have permission, you have safety. Like I was in, in between jobs when I met him and I said, okay, I'll go out and I'll get a job and I'll participate. And he's like, no, not because he's trying to control me. Not, he gives me my, like, my own bank account. He, I have automatic deposits. He makes sure he has no access to the cash he gives me. And so I feel safe and confident in that. He's like, your job is to heal. Your purpose is to change yourself, heal yourself. Do these things because this is, this is what you're called. He's like, I see it. He's like, but you just need permission and you just need to believe in yourself. And uh, the first time he said it to me was like hard triggered. I was like, yeah, believe in myself. What are you talking about? I believe in myself. Oh yes. correct. And I'm laughing now because I look at back and I'm like, I, and I still struggle with it. But at the same time, I think like two years ago, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did he see? How, how did he see that this yeah. was?
1: Be be grateful Excited. for these enlight these enlightened enlightened men who who we meet because because there are that like there are people who who are just genuinely kind and see past the damage, um and they're out there. All you know, I'm not not a man basher. Uh, mm. I got I got with the wrong man. Um, I don't hate him. I feel really quite sorry for him. I don't think he knows what it's like to have a really good relationship. Um but thank goodness for the ones who do thank goodness for the ones who who are prepared to invest the time and recognize that nobody's perfect and you know we all come with if you meet somebody past kind of your 15th year you're going to come with some baggage yes yes right? and and you either embrace it or you try and pretend it's not there um but it's funny you say about permission i was in toronto a few weeks ago so um did we mention this on the call or was it before the call? So for if we didn't mention it, I work in Toronto and based in the, UK. in the UK. So I go yeah. over to Toronto quite often. Um, and uh, I was in Toronto in September and the plan had been that my husband came with me. But our dogs kept getting out the garden. So we had to spend a fortune on new fencing. So the money for him oh, to come no. with me had gone. God, and no. um, and the, the plan had been that we were going to go ni- to Niagara Falls together. I still wanted to go and uh and I rang him up and I was like there's a trip um I could book on and and he said to me what do you want from me Suzanne do you want permission I went yeah I do actually because because again it was a throwback if I'd done that without my first husband I would have paid for that for years yeah It, it just wouldn't have happened I would never. first of all I would never be permitted to be in a different country on my own but um, it, yeah. would, it it would never but it would never happen that I would do something and he would be left at home it was absolutely the opposite way around and um <laughs> and he said just FaceTime me uh, I think he might have regretted that because he got a lot of FaceTime calls but um but it was great and, uh, but I did kind of go oh what was I asking for permission well that's part of being in a partnership right and being respectful to your partner um but it does it does make me think sometimes that is this still a hang on or is this something I'm all right with um what I didn't want to do when when I left my first husband was um be unkind um or um ruin him because I because I could have the police were involved um I didn't press charges. They they were very supportive initially, and then they were like like he's really harassing you, Suzanne. You need to press charges. I was like, but if I press charges, like that's just got a huge impact on him, and he's hurting. So I was very sympathetic to his behaviour, although he was properly harassing me. Um, but I wanted to hold my head up high and be able to look people in the eye, and that's that's what I did. I I was very firm. Um, Once I left, it was very easy. Um. And, and, and I kind of, if I can say that one message to anybody who's listening, once you make up your mind to go, it becomes so much easier because then you step into this very functional place of I need somewhere to live. I need somewhere to get money. I need somewhere to do this. I need to get some clothes. I need to eat. And, and you become very functional. Um, but the stress, the anxiety of walking in and not knowing what you're walking into has gone. And, yeah. and, and you can sleep all the way through the night because that, I mean, that was massive. Sleeping through the night was huge.
0: Uh-huh. I think and, I, I was sharing some with it. I think I slept for three days. It's hmm. Like, I literally think that I slept for days on end after I left and didn't even realize it.
1: Yeah. I, di- I didn't initially because I was living in the matrimonial home and and he was coming and harassing. But the, like at one point, the police said, "Look, we'll just arrest him for breach of the peace and put him in the cells for the night, so that at least you can have a good night's sleep." Um, and um, and we didn't get that far. We like he was warned. Of, he he absolutely bricked it when I rang the police on him, like because he wasn't used to me standing up to him. Um, but but you know, getting to the point where he could sleep every night. Um, and I moved cities um, he was I had to leave like I lived in a in a in a state where you drove out one way and he was living in a different part of the city and he'd be standing like this at the cash put at the ATM now if he was challenged, I'm just using the ATM but he wasn't he was standing at the bottom of my drive to work and uh, after, well, I think we have been away, I think we'd been divorced for five years when I moved away. Um, but it was after I moved away that I relaxed. It was after I'd moved cities that I, ne- I needed to move house. I needed him to not know where I was for me to relax. And it was only after I moved away that people started telling me that his friends drove in the street every day. So even though it wasn't him, he had someone checking on me every day. I never saw them.
0: No. Um, you know what? It's so weird. I did not think about that. I did finally sleep, but I think it's just because I was so physically exhausted. Like, because the end was really, really ugly. Like, he got yeah. really, really ugly at the end.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But, I don't think it was until, because I moved towns too when I met. And I'd been in the same town in this, and I had to sell the house and then I moved into an apartment in the same town. And then when I moved when I moved and I didn't even move that far, but I moved yeah. down and he happened to move as well within a few weeks of me. And then it was just from then on, it was like, even though he has my address, he's not going to show up. He has no reason to be in this town. And that my, was such a relief.
1: Yeah. My relief, I think came before that actually, when I'm thinking about it, I used to work in a pub and I knew he was going in the pub and, um, and I was out with some girlfriends and I sent somebody in to see if he was there. And the landlord got wind that I was outside and came out and said he's not in here; he's under week and and if he turns up, we'll turn him away um and um and they told me that he had two he had two girlfriends, and um they were both getting the same Christmas present in case he missed like give the wrong person the wrong Christmas present and that was the point where I relaxed because I knew when he had somebody he would be just like no longer interested in me like I I became irrelevant I did have children with him um he had a child but with a former partner um he wanted visitation rights to the dogs at which point he'd been told by the solicitor to to go and do one um and, uh, I mean, he threatened me that he was going to have the dogs put to sleep and all sorts of rubbish like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think you should do that, yeah. You know, uh, and at that point, he hit the wall and broke his hand. Um, yeah. And, um, and you know, you know, like when you've got pure comedy, when you look back, he'd, he'd hit the wall and his hand was swelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my head, I'm going, I think he's broken that. This is just before he left. And he's saying to me, Um, will you take me to the hospital? And in my head, I'm going, do you need an x-ray on that? Well, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, the number 38 bus will take you to the hospital. This one in about 15 minutes. And I was like, properly calm, uh, not rising to it, not being pulled in. You've hit the wall. You've done the damage. You sort yourself out, mate.
0: That's those are those are powerful moments. I remember a few of those. For he would, you know, he, it was always with his car. Oh, the car broke down. What do you want me to do about it? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's really terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that you can Google a mechanic. But I can't afford that. I'm sure, and I'm. I would. I'd be like, I'm sure. Whatever girl you're sleeping with right now, I'll be happy to pay for it. Just whine to her, and he'd be like, you know, yeah. And I was, those are powerful moments, though, when you realize yeah. no, I, all of those things. And like you said, it was kind of comical looking back. You're like, hmm. wow, that was a, That was a, a, a really strong moment for me. But six months prior to that, I wouldn't have done that, you know, you. Yeah, but
1: that's when your arm oh. is building, right? When you have those moments, <laughs> your arm is building. Um, and like one of the things that came up two weeks ago but last week and I said to my husband about my first husband because my husband cooks my my current husband cooks like most of the meals Mm -hmm. um and my first husband um had cooked five meals in five years but two of them had been in the same week and he was ringing me up and saying what time you getting in from because I'd been at Bristol again, he says what time you getting in from Bristol I was like oh in about half an hour um and he, I walked in the door and he handed me this plate and I can tell you exactly what was on it. It was salmon, new potatoes and salad. And my response was, thanks. I don't know who you're sleeping with, but keep it up because I really like the person you are becoming." That was what I said. And of course he was sleeping with somebody. But that didn't come out until 18 months after I got divorced. And my, one of my neighbours told me, she says, why did you divorce him? Was it because of the other women? And I was like, what other women? Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and went white. And I and I remember like literally we were in the street and I and I took a hand and went, you haven't told me anything that I didn't suspect. And the only thing I'm thinking right now is I'm really pleased I've changed my bed. You, you know, you haven't upset me. It's just another validation of why I should have left.
0: Yeah, I had, I had one of those. Oh, I had somebody on Facebook, one of his former girls. Message me and she's like, She's like, I can't live with the guilt anymore. Did you know that we were sleeping together the whole time you were pregnant? Because I was pregnant before I had my child, so I was pregnant for almost two full years, right? Nice. And she goes, Did you know that you were, we were sleeping together? Da, 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 da. And she was like, and it had been going on for three years, and in the and all I messaged her was, Yeah, I know. And she was just like, She was like, I feel so sorry. Da, 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 da. I'm like, You should, yeah. I, and I was there was. No unkindness. Like you said earlier, I'm not unkind, but at the same time, I'm like, that's yours and you have to live with it. That's
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I knew he
0: was doing it because he used to come and <laughs> he used to come, one, he would, he would bring them home. That was always my favorite.
1: Well, I think this is the point that my neighbor made was they came back to my house.
0: Well, no, no. He would bring them to me. Oh. I met a new girl that I think you should be friends with. I think you guys would really get along. And he'd bring them over for dinner, and I would feed them. And looking back, I'm like... And that happened every time.
1: And they knew. They knew.
0: They met me. They knew. I fed them. I woke... And cooking for me is a love language, always has been. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, they had had meals, and it was always the same thing. Always. And I look back, or he would he would tell me so-and-so hit on me or she walked in when in lingerie and and I said no and, and I look back and I'm like oh the confessions of a narcissist yeah yeah whatever he said wasn't happening or like you said the roses would show up at work and I would just go yeah. oh he's doing something and and for me it was also uh he he hey, he was a drug dealer
1: <laughs> right
0: Yeah, I knew, but Will fully did not know, right? So there was always actually, he always actually had money.
1: Right.
0: Even though I was the one doing all the work, paying all the bills, doing all the things, he always had money. But I would always know um, when it was, when something was going south, because he would, um, like, things like that, like, he would, uh, he would actually send little presents or call me at work frequently. When are you going to come home or, or, or when are you getting off work or, or is there any way that I could pick you up late today? And I would always know that like something was going on at the house that was not like either it was a girl or there was drugs or something. And yeah. And, and every single time I was like, I would make a big, oh no, no, I actually have to stay afterwards and just like let him do it. Hmm. Because looking back, I'm like, oh, I didn't even want to, but then, and then as, 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 I, like you said, your neighbor said, I, was like, I knew. Thank you for validating yeah. what I already knew, but I knew.
1: Yeah, I always know, <laughs> and, and and like part of me. So I was really friendly with my next door neighbor, and part of me was like, she should have told me. And then I thought, well, actually, it wasn't her place to tell me, and that put her in an awful position. She was like one of my best friends, um, and I know in that situation, like quite often, the like the messenger gets gets the shooting, if you like. Um, yes, it was. You know, you're just in an awful position if you know someone's cheating and you're the one to tell it's a no win um but I but I'm quite enlightened and I wasn't going to hold it against any of them um but but it's just like there's just lots of things and the thing that came out like so I told my husband about that and then and then I said I was really foolish you know like this is the one where I go "Mm -hmm, why did I do that we had a joint bank account and um And we were separating for a trial separation because of this whole situation with my dad and my sister. My head was just exploding. And I'd given him the money for a flat for a month, um, which had been the money to repair my car. And uh, he had a work van and he had a car. So I had a car. He had a car. But mine was off the road. Um, And he said to me. I can't find my, ba- my bank, card stopped working. Can I borrow yours? So I said, yeah, of course you can. And I gave him my bank card and he cleared the bank account out. But it looked like I'd done it. And, you know, afterwards you think, well, that was really stupid, Suzanne. How naive were you? So then I had no money to fix my car, but that was fine because I was insured on both cars and the one that he had, my parents had paid for. So when the police came um, because of the threat, he turned to them and said see that car that car's in my name and if she moves it I'm having a dump for stealing it so I went okay so this car that was the only one we had on the road and he had a work van um sat outside my house for four days I didn't move it I got my bike out the garage and I went cycling to work but again it was all about control and making it just really difficult for me. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's how, you know, and I, you said it earlier and I, I just kind of wanted to, to touch on the point of, of, and I've, most of the people that I talk to that have left, especially, um, you know, narcissistic and, and controlling and abusive, mentally, emotionally abusive relationships, we leave and don't wish, I don't wish him ill will. I, I feel yeah. bad for him. Like, I know all his stories. I know how he was abused as a child. I know the things that he did to me were done to him. I know that um, I'm forever grateful that I left with my child before he thought that his child was old enough to take it. He used to tell me that all the time. Well, I won't touch him until he's old enough to handle it. He used to tell me he was going to beat our child. And I was like, eh, no. And when we got to that point, that was one of the one of the catalysts that left. but. I, people ask me all the time, do you hate him? And I'm like, no, I am not going to give him enough power to have my hate. No, I feel sorry for him, but I'm not going to give him the energy of being like, I hate you. And I just could destroy you. And Mm -mm. no, I don't love you. I don't like you. And you're never getting near our child. (laughs) But, but yeah, not, not answering that because that that's just like you said. It's that control piece. It's always they have to be in control, and that's just another way that they they could control. You know, today if I chose to hate him, I feel like that would just be like, oh, you're 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 messing up, and and I'm allowing you to control this space, my safe space, by giving you my hate, by giving you my anger. I'm like, no, no, I have... I, I will heal, but not that.
1: Yeah, I have no emotion whatsoever towards my ex husband it's it's like it, people think hate is the opposite of love and it's really not hate hate has a passion to it in the same way that love has a passion to it feeling nothing is actually the opposite of love and hate um and i feel nothing um but from a business point of view my coach in business so he's blocked on facebook right but yeah. but i'm not very proficient on instagram so i'm aware that he could find me on instagram mm-hmm. um but LinkedIn is where I kind of really kind of push my coaching business. Mm-hmm. And I was holding back from, so this was earlier this year, and I was really holding back from all my social media marketing that I, that I need to do for my business. And, um, and I realized what it was, and I realized it was because I didn't want him seeing, because I always earned more money than him. Um, but now I earn significantly more than he could possibly earn because just because of our levels of experience and qualifications and our different sectors that we work in. And um, and I thought, he's going to come after me because because we never had a financial settlement, because we never drew a line underneath it, because he um, misled his solicitor and told them that there were thousands of pounds coming his way and then they've discovered that there wasn't and then he did a runner. Basically on his bill. So, but because of that, I don't have a finance. Um, kind of it's it's called a a clean break order in the UK. I don't have a clean break order. So in theory, if I won the lottery, he could come after it. Um, he could um come after my pension. Um, and if I became a millionaire, he could come after it. Right. So you know, um, so all of this was holding me back because I don't want him to see how affluent I am. I am pretty affluent and uh and it got right to the point of and I was on a a social media course and and they said like whatever your blocker is deal with it I thought well my blocker is this so I rang a solicitor and I said look if this is like let's say I make half a million turnover a year what's the impact of that in my in my thing with him and they said, well you've got two choices really you can go for a clean break order now, um, it'll cost you a few thousand and you might need to pay him a few thousand. Or you can see if it happens and then you might need to pay him a few thousand and get a clean break order. And I was like, so really, there's no consequence. They then realised their mistake because I wasn't going to uh, um, sign a contract with this solicitor to do some work. And they were like, oh, well, well. And I was like, no, you've already said it. If If, if actually the risk is the same, I'll just go for it now and not pay the money if I need to. Um, and that, and again, that was something that I didn't really appreciate 15 years later. I was still being held back by.
0: I I think, and this is a good point as we come to the end of our time, that it doesn't matter how long you are away from the situation. And this is why it's the healing journey. And this is why we talk about that, that healing and that changing. And there's always something that you go, Oh, yeah. Oh, I could. Okay. and then. But the beautiful thing is, is I think the longer we are away, the more we're like, but I have all these tools and I have all these time and I have all this strength and I actually have a foundation that I've built to stand on to go. Like you said, 15 years ago, having that conversation with that solicitor wouldn't have happened. It would have been, you know, too scary or whatever. But now you're just like, oh, well, now I have the answer. So I'll just plow forward. We're good.
1: And you just let that go. Yeah. Well, during my divorce, I had a conversation with the solicitor where I said to the solicitor, I think I should give him £3,000. And he went, my dear, you will give him nothing. You've given him enough. He was. My solicitor was brilliant. I was really lucky. Um, but, if, but if he'd said, you need to do this, I would have done it. Whereas now I was given a, you need to do this, but if you didn't do it, this would be the consequence. I made a much more enlightened um confident decision yeah you know i i'm but it's taken a long time and and it goes back to what you were saying about peeling the layers right i think i think i think we think we get out of this abusive relationship and you know flick a switch and we're healed flick a switch and we're yes. the person we were before we went into it well actually you're never going to be that person again you're going to be somebody different someone changed you've lived three years two years half a month, Half a month, whatever it is, you are affected by your experiences. Um, we know that experiences live long time because we still do things that we did in our childhood and react the same way to things. So we know that we hold on to all of that. Um, and it's about forgiving yourself and saying, Do you know what? I made the right decisions at the time. Because my abuse was a very slippery slope. There was no um one day where I was suddenly abused, it was um, him being upset by me going out. It was me wanting to pacify him because I loved him and keep him happy. Why would I cause him pain like that? You know, it was it was about compassion and insecurity. It wasn't about I. I still to this day I don't think he realizes that he abused me. I I don't think he realizes that it was not love. You have to forgive yourself for all of that. Because we all do oh. the best thing, the best we can when when it comes up. We all make the best decisions we can when they're presented to us. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in the counselling and saying, I should never have given up my friends. I should never have done this. And her saying to me, but you should never have been put in that position. And actually, when you That's were right. in that position, you probably made the right decision. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, like, we've got to... We've, we've got to be real about the recovery journey. You leave, you become very functional, then you deal with the emotions and that might take quite a period of time, but actually every tiny step forward is a step forward. Yes, that's
0: beautiful and that's so very true. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up that it is. Every step forward is 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 exactly what you need to take and I love that. So I always ask my guests at the end, if someone who is watching this or listening to this would love to get into touch with you uh, work with you just learn more about you connect with you what's a good way for people to connect with you right now
1: um i have a facebook group called thrive the group for awesome humans um or you'll find me on facebook primarily as suzanne young you'll find me on instagram as suzanne young high performance coach um i'll try and get back to you on instagram i'm not brilliant on instagram facebook is much more reliable from my point of view i'm learning um but yeah um just drop me a DM on Facebook. I'm Suzanne Young. You, you'll recognize me with my curly hair and, uh, and uh, posts that I put on.
0: Fantastic. So uh, links to the Facebook group or to, to get to Suzanne on Facebook are down below for anyone who's watching. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me, um, sharing openly and honestly um, about you know your experiences. And I love that you are doing new things to help people just like us find yeah. their confidence in the world. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Megan. It's been a delight.
0: I love it. To the people who joined us in the audience, thank you. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time, friends.